Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, Christ Church. How we doing? Well, hey, if we've not met before, my name's Drake. I'm excited to uh, continue our covenant series this morning called You Are Not Your Own. Uh, today we're going to be looking at the covenant home. Uh, the, the home is the primary place that the covenant is taught, that the covenant is strengthened, that the covenant is celebrated. And of course, there are many different relationships that happen within the homes that we occupy. But the primary relationship or aspect of the home that we're going to be talking about this morning here at Christchurch is that of children. Speaking of children, I want to tell you a fun story I think you'll enjoy. Uh, there was a little boy and he went to his dad and he said, Dad, how did the human race appear? And his dad said, well, there were monkeys and we humans, we developed from monkeys. Uh, he went to his mom and he asked his mom the same question. Mom, how did the human race appear? And she said, well, God made Adam and Eve. From, from Adam and Eve, all humanity was, was born. He thought to himself for a second. And he said, Mom, I'm confused. How is it that dad said we developed from monkeys and you said that God made us? And his mom looked at the little boy and said, well, sweetie, it's very simple. Your dad was telling you about his side of the family and I was telling you about mine. <laughs> Don't you guys love that story about the Daly family? I mean, it's just a great story. I love it. I love it. We're talking about the covenant home and the children that are in our homes. I'm here to tell you this morning, Elijah preached a, a powerful uh, message, as, as, monk, as much of a monkey as he is. He preached a powerful message last weekend um, about the covenant people. And I'm here to, to, to tell us that as the covenant people who have a covenant relationship with God, we also have the covenant responsibility to pass the faith on to the next generation. For we belong to a generational faith. Uh, Moses was communicating this idea to God's covenant people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. He wrote this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you... Your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. We belong to a general, generational faith. And the covenant relationship that God has with our generation, he intends to have with the next generation, just like he had with the generation before us. We belong to a generational faith. And as those who have a covenant relationship with God, it is our covenant responsibility to pass the faith on to the next generation. At Christ Church, I want you to hear this this morning. If you're someone who writes things down, you can scribble this. Let our greatest legacy be a godly lineage. Let our greatest legacy be a godly lineage. I want to make sure you heard me correctly. I said our, meaning communal, all of us, Christ Church of Orinogo, let our greatest legacy be a godly lineage. By that, I'm talking to those who have birthed children, those who foster children, those who have adopted children. I'm talking to those who are expecting children, those who have empty nest. I'm talking to the grandmas and the grandpas, the memes and the memaws, the nanas and the ninas, the pops, the paps, the peepaws, the papas, the peepees and poopoos. That's who I'm talking to uh, this, this morning. I'm also talking to aunts and uncles and other extended family members. And as we were planning this sermon series, knowing that we were going to talk about the topic of children, uh, we were acutely aware that the topic of children can cause pain for many in our church family. Uh, for there are some in our church family who have lost children to miscarriage or even children who had been born. 
There are some in our family who've been told they cannot have children, some in our family who simply do not have children. We grieve with those who want children but do not have them, Lord willing. We ask that he would allow them to have that desire. Psalm 34 says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is with us in this pain. We believe it to be true. But regardless of our personal circumstances, church, you are not your own. And we have the communal responsibility, whether we have children in our own home or not, to pass the faith on to the next generation. So when I say let our greatest legacy be a godly lineage, I'm also talking to those in the room who do not have children for whatever reason. This is our call as the covenant people who have a covenant relationship with God to pass the faith on to the next generation. And if we are to be faithful in passing the faith on to the next generation, then we need to have a proper understanding of just who or what uh, children are. Uh, I remember the first time I I saw my son Murphy, uh, seconds after he was born, right after they pulled him out, and I thought to myself, what is that? Like, cone-headed, covered in slime, shriveled up like a raisin, what is that? I remember the the psalm came to mind, uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. I saw the fearfully part, but I was not seeing the wonderfully part of this, this little thing. And I remember holding him for the very first time and I thought to myself, who is he? And the scriptures came to the mind. He is a blessing. Church, I want you to hear this. Children are always a blessing, never a burden. And the psalmist writes in 127, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. The Bible says that children are a blessing. But when you look at the rhetoric and the statistics of our culture, you will see that the world, those who do not love Jesus, believe children to be a burden. In 2022, the Pew Research Center did a survey and 62% of Americans said that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. In 2020, uh, the CDC estimates that there were 620,000 induced abortions conducted by clinics, hospitals, or physicians' offices. Another private survey found that number to be just shy of a million. Horrible. The world views children as a burden. But the view of burden doesn't stop at the womb. Check out this tweet from a man named Duncan Jones. Uh, Duncan Jones tweeted this publicly. He says, I have two kids, two and a half years and nine months old, respectively. I'll tell you something I never see anyone admit. They're exhausting. Time out. All right. Any parent in the room ever admitted that their children are exhausting them? Yeah, this man must have not met any other human alive. They are exhausting, frustrating, and life destabilizing. They are rarely fun. Sure, smiles are great, hugs are lovely, but it's hard and not obviously a good choice in life. I would agree with Duncan. It is hard, but not obviously a good choice in life. He tweeted this publicly. Obviously, obviously this man believes his children to be a burden. Now, where did he get this view? I'm going to argue that he got this view from his parents. Duncan Jones' father is the famous singer David Bowie. If you know anything about David Bowie's story, he was hooked on drugs, divorced Duncan's mom, took full custody of Duncan, couldn't parent him because of his drug problem, so he hired someone else to be Duncan's parent. Duncan, as a child, believed that he was a burden to his parents. And now, as a parent himself, he believes his own children to be a burden. Why does the world think that children are a burden? I can make a list. Let's start. Number one on the list, they cost a lot of money, amen? 
I mean, from that first hospital bill to youth activities to helping with the car to helping with college, children cost a lot of money. Number two, they interrupt your sleep cycle. Newborns don't sleep, therefore you don't sleep. Then your kids get a little older, they have sleepovers and their friends are being obnoxious all night long. Then they get their license and you stay up wondering, praying, hoping they make it home safely. Number three on the list, they stink. Literally, they smell like dirty diapers. Junior high boys don't shower or wear deodorant. They have the audacity to pass gas in your house, your covenant home, and they're passing gas in it. Lastly, on the list, they'll break your heart, won't they? Man, raising children is hard. They'll disobey to you. They'll lie to you. Sometimes they'll disappoint you. They might move out on you. Man, oh man, children can leave scars. I know that there are some in the room who know that all too well. Raising children is hard. Duncan's right about that. But to say they're not a good choice in life, short-sighted, absolutely short-sighted. Children are always a blessing, never a burden. Church, hear me on this. If we forget their identity, we'll forget our responsibility. If we forget that children are a blessing from God, then we will excuse ourselves from our covenant responsibility to help them discover completeness in Jesus. I sense this is an appropriate time to remind you that we are not talking about a contract. We are talking about a covenant. A contract says, if you fail, then I can back out of my obligation. A covenant says, if you fail, I will still be here. Parents, church, I cannot overemphasize or exaggerate the importance of staying when parenting gets hard, when your children are exhausting. For in staying, we communicate something to our children, to the covenant children of this church, that our God is steadfast, that his love endures forever, that he won't leave them even when they fail. Parents, we need to stay. When it's hard, when it's annoying, when it's uncomfortable, we are not our own. It is our covenant responsibility to stay with our children. This is something that God has preached to his people throughout all generations. This is something that makes Christianity being a generational faith so important and so practical. God has commanded his people to care for children, their own and their covenant community's children. If you do a survey through the Bible and through history, you will see that God cares about children. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21, Moses gives this law to the people and it reads this. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech. Now, why did God have to give this command to Israel? Well, Israel's neighbors, the Ammonites and Canaanites, were worshiping a pagan deity named Molech. And part of their worship of this pagan deity was child sacrifice by fire. They used them. They abused them. Contrast that with God, who instructs his covenant people to include children in family worship, to instruct their children in the ways of the Lord, to protect their children, to provide for their children, and to do it not just for their children, but all children in their midst. God cares about children. Then you move into the New Testament, where children in the culture were viewed as less human than adults. They were less valuable. Enter Jesus when one of his disciples says to him, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus places a child in their midst and he says, unless you become like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. God cares 
about children. Then the early church. The early church quite literally changed the future for children for the better. Based on their beliefs of the teachings of Jesus and their faithful practice of those teachings, they quite literally changed the future for children. The early church found itself in the historical context of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was not kind to children. That's putting it lightly. Let me read you what one historian wrote about childhood in ancient Rome. In ancient pagan Roman society, children were not considered to be people with the same worth as adults. Indeed, after the birth of a child, the first legal responsibility of a Roman father was to decide whether the child would be accepted into the family or disposed of. Rejected children were smothered or abandoned to death by exposure, succumbing to the elements or wild animals. If they were lucky, exposed children might live long enough to be claimed by others and raised as slaves. Parents could beat, kill, or sell their children without any legal repercussions, It was freely accepted that children of lower classes, especially slave children, could be used by adults for sexual gratification. In the upper classes, children rarely commanded the direct care or attention of their parents, delegated instead to wet nurses, slaves, and tutors. In short, children had no rights or dignity to speak of, and childhood was, most commonly, a period to be survived. It was horrible. Then entered the early church. Our forefathers and mothers in the faith of no real financial means or substance, but hearts full of love and eyes to see clearly that children are a blessing from God. And history attests that it was the early Christians, people of the covenant, who understood their covenant responsibility to care for children, who went out into the streets, brought in abandoned children into their own homes, adopted them into their families, protecting them from abuse and helping them discover completeness in Jesus. God cares for children. And he expects us to care for children as well. For as those who are in the covenant relationship with God, we have the covenant responsibility to care for children, to ensure that our children and our children's children may know Christ and have completeness in him. Now, having established that children are a priority and a blessing from God, we need to address the other side of the issue. For if one side of the issue says that children are a burden, they are of no importance, the other side says that children are of too much importance or should be objects of our worship. There exists in our culture, and even in the church, this idea or this disposition that children should be the centerpiece of our homes. Church, hear this. Children make great children, but children make horrible gods. They are not worthy of our worship. Only God is. Besides, have you seen the pressure it puts on a child being a God? They're not ready for that undue responsibility that they did not ask for. We are not called to worship our children. We are called to disciple our children. I I think this place of making children the centerpiece of a home comes from an honest place of intense love for our children. I remember the first time I saw this in my wife, Andrea. Uh, It was May 2020. We had just got to Georgia and we were adopting our our oldest son, Willie. And we had an Airbnb a few minutes from the hospital. And the arrangement was when he was born, the nurse was going to text us and we could go to the hospital and meet him. So we get the text and we make our way to the hospital pretty quickly. And we get to the hospital expecting to go inside. The only problem is the Georgia National Guard is there guarding the hospital, not letting anyone in. Uh, These were part of their COVID precaution calls or or whatever you would would say about that. And and they had a list and uh, 
If your name was on the list, you could get into the hospital, but if your name wasn't on the list, you weren't getting into the hospital. Unfortunately, for some reason, our names weren't on the list. And when they told us our names were on the list, I, I was ready to go to Chick-fil-A. I was like, I guess they'll release them in a few days and, and we'll meet them. Uh, but I looked to Andrea and I saw the zealous love, passion in her eyes, and I could tell that she was ready to fist fight the Georgia National Guard. So I was like, all right, let's do this. But uh, no, I, I looked at her and as she put her hand up in the air, I stepped behind her. I was like, you're taking this one. And she said, I don't care about your list. You're gonna call the front desk and we're going in there and we're going to meet our son. And they let us in. Parents have, especially Christian parents, an intense love for their children. And this love for their children is appropriate. But to make children an object of our worship, the centerpiece of our homes, is wholly inappropriate. For only God can be the center of our homes. We, we have the privilege, we have the responsibility of discipling our children to know the centerpiece of our home, our King Jesus. So while children are not a burden, and while children should not be the centerpiece of our home, we need to know this, children are important, and we love our children, and we have the responsibility to disciple our children to know our God. So this morning, I want to offer a couple of thoughts on how we foster a culture of discipleship in our covenant homes. The first word of encouragement I have for you is this, let our homes be a place of protection. Now, I noticed in my time in student ministry that most kids spend most of their time in schools or on screens. These are primary disciplers of our children, schools and screens. I say that because education and entertainment are transformative. Uh, you don't believe me? I'll prove it to you. When Patrick Mahomes, I see a few Chiefs jerseys in the audience today. When Patrick Mahomes came to play for the Kansas City Chiefs and they started winning, and especially when they won the Super Bowl in 2020, did you see how many young boys in our community went to their mother's hair salon and got perms? Did you see this? All these little white boys running around with perms. Yeah, exactly. Discipleship. They saw something that they liked and they wanted to be like him. Discipleship. Let's talk schools for a second. Schools are a place of education, a place where ideas are shared, a place that is a public place with all kinds of different people. Schools are places of discipleship. And be, saying that, it's important for you to realize that where you have your children in school is important for their growth. When I say let our homes be a place of protection, I'm going to encourage every family here to be aware of what is happening in your child's school. Now, we have so many people in this church who are teachers, administrators, counselors, paraprofessionals, support staff, whose primary reason for being in that school is to be a light for Jesus to the students in that school. It's wholly admirable. We absolutely need it in our community and we're grateful for it. With that being said, everybody in this room knows that there are people in the school system, adults and students, who do not have the interest of Christ in mind. Ideas are being shared. Peers are pulling students away from the things of the faith. Whose job is it to help their student, help their child be protected from that? It's the parents. I've known so many students in our church who went to school, public school, K through 12, and who came out loving Jesus. Why? Because their home was a place of protection where their parents asked them about what was happening at school, about the ideas they were hearing at school about the things that their student peers were doing at school. Their homes were a place of awareness, a 
place of conversation. Their homes were a place of protection. Education is transformative. It matters where your kid is going to school, which is why I would like to encourage every single family in this church to have a conversation about your kid's education because it is transformative. Maybe public school is the best option. Maybe private school, maybe homeschool. Parents, protect your children through their education. No matter where they are, in a school or at your home, protect them. Allow your home to be a place of protection. Now let's talk screens. Did you know that the average teenager in America spends just under nine hours a day on a screen? That is wild. That's more time than we're suggested to get sleep every night. You understand how crazy this is? And on those screens, they're watching YouTube videos, they're listening to music, they're on social media, they're on Chapsnat and Bookface and all of those things like that. They're interacting with the world. Entertainment like this, screens are transformative. There's fun things that happen on these screens, but you also know there's crude things that happen on these screens. Illicit music, inappropriate material, pornography, things like these that the devil is trying to infiltrate through these screens to confuse our children. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the enemy's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. Children are some of the most vulnerable among us. So whether it's their school or their screen, you need parents to make your home a place of protection. Protection demands presence. Protection demands presence. I was with one of our elders who works in the local jails. I was going around with him and listening to stories of some of the inmates there. 80% of the inmates in our community did not have a father in the home. 80%. Presence is protection. Dads, be in the home. Mom, be in the home. You need to be in the home. Don't let work pull you away. Don't let social gatherings pull you away. Don't let the other busyness of life pull you away from your covenant home. Remember, you are not your own. As the covenant people who have a covenant relationship with God, we have the covenant responsibility to be present in our homes, to protect the children in our homes from the devil's schemes. Let our homes be a place of protection. Next, on fostering a culture of discipleship in our homes, let our homes be a place of direction. The wisdom of the Proverbs is this, in Proverbs 22, verse six, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I got back last week from a trip to Papua New Guinea. Uh, We've had impact partners since the 1990s, Todd and Angela Owen, who have served in Papua New Guinea as Bible translators. Uh, We got to go with Todd, a small group of us did, to to go and see the work that they do. Um, Before they got there, there was only an oral language. It was only spoken. There was no written alphabet or written language. They've been working on that language and have been translating the Bible into the language of the Garia. Now, when we got to go to the village, I need need you to understand who they're working with. It was a a two-hour drive and then about a two-hour hike into the village, into the jungle where this tribe lives. And before we went, Todd had us go to the hardware store and grab some machetes, some small ones like this, some bigger ones for other things. And he said, it's an essential piece of life for the Garia to have a machete, for they use it for essentially everything from opening coconuts to clearing gardens to construction projects to hunting to self-defense, the machete is one of the centerpieces of tools in the Garia's life. 
So we need to get some machetes. And I was glad that we did because we got there and we got to use these machetes in the way that the Garia did. Or we tried to, at least. I mean, I was clumsy. I cut my hand pretty good. And as I waddled off to wrap it up, they said something about the clumsy white man or something. I don't know. But we got to watch him. I literally sat with a man who made a bow and arrow, a functioning bow and arrow with a machete and a piece of bamboo. It was absolutely awesome. So fun to watch the way that they lived their lives. But what we were impressed by was not just how the adults handled the machete with with such precision, but how their children handled it as well. You had five and six-year-olds with machetes strapped to their hips. And first I was like, what is this, Lord of the Flies? Like, what is happening here with all these kids and these machetes? I mean, they're kindergarten and first graders having machetes, but man, when they pulled them out and they started to use them, it was artistic. Oh, it was so good. You could tell that the parents of the Garia, they trained their children in how to use this tool. Moses writes to the covenant people in Deuteronomy chapter six. He says, direct your household. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Just like the Gari have taught their children how to use the machete for it is an essential part of their life. We need to teach our children. We need to direct our children in the things of faith. When I say let our homes be a place of direction, I'm encouraging, exhorting all parents in this room to teach your children the Bible. Teach them the scriptures. Tell your little ones the Bible stories. They'll love those stories. With your older children, have Bible studies with them in the morning, allowing them to see that this faith matters to you and it should matter to them as well. Direct them in the things of the scriptures. Next, teach them the songs of our faith. Don't let Chip and Madison and the other worship leaders be the only people whom they hear sing the songs of the faith. Sing with your children. And COVID taught us all, it's awkward to sing in small groups. But here's the deal. It's important to sing with your children. We belong to a singing faith. We are called to encourage one another through song. Can I share something a little bit embarrassing about our family? We're teaching our children the hymns right now, the hymns that have been sung for hundreds of years. And if you hear my son Murphy sing Amazing Grace, it is once again fearful, not wonderful. But it is so beautiful watching him sing the first phrase of Amazing Grace. Here's something that is a little bit embarrassing about our family. Like I said, we're teaching them the hymns. I love 90s country. It means I love Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson has a, 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 an album full of hymns. And that's what we do. As a family, we listen to Alan Jackson's hymnals. It's a little embarrassing, but it's beautiful because we're teaching our children the songs of the faith. Next, direct them in service. Teach them how to be the hands and feet of Jesus, how to care for your neighbors, how to care for the elderly, how to care for other members of this church. Show your children that it matters that you are not your own and that you belong to a covenant people. Let our homes be a place of direction. For as those who have a covenant relationship with God, we have the covenant responsibility to disciple our children, to have completeness in Jesus. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I said, let our greatest legacy be a godly lineage. And most of the things that I've been talking today seem to be more applicable to those who have children in their homes. But I said our, even those who do not have children in our own homes, because I'm also talking about this church home, 
We call it Christ Church of Orinoco. We need to let this church home be a place of protection. And it is for so many kids. I think about our security team who stands guard at the doors, making sure our children have no harm, that they're able to have a safe place to learn and grow in the faith. I, I think, I don't know if you know Jack and Mary Huffman. Uh, they're an older couple here at Christ Church. They stand at the doors over there in early childhood. They're the ones high-fiving and hugging and giving out little treats every now and then. They make this place a place of protection by welcoming kids, making them smile, allowing them to know that this is a place of joy and peace and righteousness. They're making this place this covenant home called Christ Church, a place of protection. Can you join them in doing that? Can you make this place, regardless if you have your own children or not, a place of protection for all children who call Christ Church home? And can you make this place a place of direction? I think about our kids club leaders who are telling the Bible stories, who are teaching the classes, who are doing the rotations. I think about the song leaders who are teaching the songs. I think about our, our, our volunteers who go with our students to water gardens every month and show them how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I think about our D group leaders in student ministry who are in the trenches of discipleship, graciously yet truthfully helping teenagers discover completeness in Jesus. Let this place, Christ Church of Orinoco, be a place of direction for children that they might know God and have completeness in him. I want to tell you something about Christ Church. Did you know that last Sunday, we had over 300 kids in early childhood and over 300 kids in the children's ministry program? It's absolutely insane. They are exploding with growth. This is a blessing from God. But like I've been saying all throughout this sermon, with the blessing that he has given us, there comes a responsibility to care for these children in our midst. Church, we need your help in making this church home, this covenant home, a place where children are protected and children are directed. So if serving in early childhood or if serving in children's ministry is something that you can do to pass on the faith to the next generation, and let me hear, I want you to hear me, you can do this. We need your help with this. So if you have any interest in serving in early childhood or children's ministry, I want you to reach out to Tammy about early childhood or reach out to Olivia about the children's ministry and ask them how you can be a part of the covenant people who has the covenant responsibility in passing on the faith to the next generation. Church, can you do that? Can you serve this church home by doing that? Uh, the, the other thing I wanna bring to your attention is that we don't care just for the children in our community, we care for all children. This is why through our impact partners, we're invested in Comis Manos, a ministry to children who are deaf just south of our border. We're invested in, 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 in ministries like Black Box International and Rafa International who care for children who've been rescued from human trafficking. This is why we're invested in Asian women and children in Central India Christian Mission who preach and proclaim the gospel to children that they might have completeness in Jesus. This is why our church is so involved in the foster care ministry. If you're interested in serving in foster care, if it's tickled your fancy in any way, if you have any concern, I would love to include you in the ministry that we have here and ask that you reach out to our, our foster care ministry uh, leader, Maggie Shade. She's been leading this ministry for a long time, helping our church helps kids and families in our community find completeness in Jesus. It could be that you have the desire to serve as a foster parent. 
It could be that you have the desire to supervise visits that happen on our church property every Tuesday night as families, bio families, get together with their child in the process of reunification. It could be that you join a care community. A care community is a community that comes around foster families, cooking meals for them, providing childcare for them, helping them with the needs that they have as they've taken on the responsibility of caring for a child in our community. If you have any interest in serving in this way, I would ask that you reach out to Maggie. We care for all children. That's why our lobby right now is full of grocery bags, full of food for children who are hungry on the weekends. Christ Church, let this place be a place of protection. Let this place be a place of direction. That children in our church home and in our community and through our partners around the world may know Jesus and have completeness in him. We are the covenant people who have a covenant relationship with God And part of that covenant relationship with God is the covenant responsibility to care for children. We are not our own. We will give our lives in service of our King. And part of that includes serving the children that he has blessed us with. The generations who come after us may know Christ as we have. Christ Church of Orinogo has been a place where the faith has been passed down through generations. Here in a moment, you're gonna hear a testimony from Jim Moss and Julie Brower some of the earliest members of our church family, and they've had the privilege of watching the faith be passed down through generations here at Christ Church. Would you turn your attention to the screens and check this out? Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.